with the Lord on this and began to question, said, well, Lord, why is it that we need to look at this? I'm, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 6 where it says that we don't stay in the foundations and the, the, the doctrines, the preliminary elementary doctrines of Scripture that we need to go on and go to get deeper in with it. And I began to realize that as I studied this, that God has a desire in his heart for all of you to truly know him mm -hmm. and to know his character, mm -hmm. to know what he is capable of doing, knowing why you have the capability to do what you can do in and through and by him, and what he has control over, what he has power over, and in the flip side of that, what you in Jesus Christ's name has power over yourself. And sadly, we have heard phrases in the church on many occasions that God is almighty. We've heard that he's all-powerful. We've heard he's omniscient. We've heard he's omnipotent. But I'm beginning to understand that we don't stop long enough to consider exactly how powerful those words mean. Mm -hmm. When you're sick, he has the power to heal you. Mm -hmm. When you're in a financial strait, he has the power to deliver you out of your financial strait. When there is difficulty in your life in any direction, be it a relationship, be it um, intellectually, emotionally, physically, whatever it may be, he has the power over that. And if he has that power over that, then there isn't any reason why that his Christian people should be suffering things and are subjected to other people's power or other things' power. So in order to tap into the fullness and the power of the Christian life that God has with us to overcome any of our besetting sin, any of our addictions, any of our bad habits, whatever it may be, we need to truly get to know God in a deeper level. And as I begin to study this, I begin to see that that's what God is wanting the church to do. So tonight our service is a little different. We're not doing worship services tonight. We're doing a Bible study because there comes a time that we have to really sit down and we need to have a conversation with the Lord. That said, tonight we do need to remember some folks in prayer. Um, I was just on the phone with Steve Cox and he has asked everyone to remember him. He's going to have to have surgery in September. And I don't know if many of you know uh, him, that some of our family, uh, he's a real estate agent here in this town and an appraiser. And his brother, Ronnie, uh, pastored um, New Light Church for many, many years, several decades. And they gave him up to die three years ago. And that's one reason why Dale Hester took over that position over there. And they have called hospice in on him on many occasions, and he's still there. And uh, he's having good days and bad days, and he has personally told Steve to talk to me and to ask me to have everyone here pray for him. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to be able to do that. We were so glad and touched to have Tom back at church Sunday morning. Yeah. I was yeah. glad to see that. Amen. Amen. And Tom's looking a lot better. We want to continually uphold him in prayer and uphold everyone else in prayer. Tonight, I want you to pray for me. So we're going to open up in prayer, and then we're going to have a discussion tonight, and I hope that whoever came for whatever you came for, that you'll find it tonight, and you'll leave here with some power. But before I go further with that, I just want to say it's good to see your cousins back again. Julia, it's good to see her. So everyone just give Julia a good hand for being here tonight. So Father, tonight we come into your presence, Lord, as a body.
believers tonight. We have come with one heart and one mind one spirit to come together with you to, because we need to know more of you tonight. We have walked into these doors, Lord God, knowing and realizing that you have called our church to do something in this neighborhood. And Father, we need you in this hour, Lord, to show us exactly what we are capable of doing and what we can do through your name and through the name of Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord God, as we go forward in this, I pray that you'll give me the exact words I need to say to break these doctrines down, that folks will understand them. Father, that we'll get a realization of it, not only just know about it, but uh, having the experience of what it is to walk in your power. And I'll give you the glory and the praise for what you'll do. Father, we pray for Steve tonight and his surgery that's upcoming. We ask you, Lord, your servant, Ronnie, that you would touch him where he is there in Butters. God, that you'll raise him up, Lord God, again, and continually preach to all around him that you still a God that says when he's not finished that his life will still be prolonged here on this earth. Tonight, we thank you for Living Word Worship Center. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the ability and the power to come in together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. And the church said, Amen, amen. and Amen. We are going to be in Psalm chapter 62 tonight. Psalm 62. How many would agree that one thing that we need in the church right now is the power of God? Amen. Not only the power of God, we need to see the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We also need to see the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to see the power of prayer. But more than anything else, we need to see, or two things we really need to see. One thing we really truly need to see is probably right number two is the power of a dedicated, submitted, and consecrated life to God. And in order to get all of those that I have mentioned, there is a power that we must have in the church and in our life personally. And if we don't have it, then the power of the blood is never going to show. The power of the Holy Spirit is never going to show. The power of prayer is never going to show. And the power of a dedicated, submitted, consecrated, sanctified life to God is never going to show. And what we want to talk to you tonight is the first power that you really need to grab a hold of in the power of God. And that is the power of the book that you are holding in your hand. I want you to realize something about that book in your hand, your Bible. That is the most powerful thing on the face of this earth. It is the most powerful thing on the face of this earth. I am not negating the power of prayer, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of a consecrated life, or even the power of the Holy Spirit. But without the power that is within the pages of the Word of God, you cannot have any of those other benefits. The Holy Spirit is here on this earth, and He is a gentleman. He will not push Himself on you. And the only way you can have Him in your life is to discover that there is power in the Word of God. In the Word of God, there is power to change every situation that you will ever go through in your life. And our church needs to say amen. amen. In the pages of the Word of God, there is enough power that is instilled within it to correct every sickness and every disease that you will ever see here on the face of this earth. Every cultural, societal problem can be corrected by the power that is within the pages of the Word of God. There is a power instilled in the 66 books of the Bible. There is power instilled in the words that you read in the Bible. It is not just another book. It is a living book. And when it is spoken, it begins to create. When it is applied, it begins to change things. 
when it is put forward and you live it, it regenerates things. It brings things brand new. It renews things. It remodels things. It can remodel your relationship. It can remodel your life. It can remodel your spirit. It can remodel your soul. It can remodel everything that there is about you. The Spirit of God can be made and put to lasting effect, but the only way that you can have the Spirit of God moving and be made to have a lasting effect in your life is to discover the power that's in the Word of God. So if that is true, and the power of God is instilled in its pages, and it is the greatest and most powerful thing that there is on the face of this earth, and it has within itself the capacity to change everything about you. My question to you and God's question to you tonight is, how have you been treating it? Everyone say, help me, Lord. Sometimes we throw it in our car and we don't pick it up until it's time to come to church again. Sometimes we have the Word of God and it sits in our house on the shelf all week long and we never open the covers of it. We never look in it and we never see what's going on. We have problems in our life and we're all apt to grab the phone and call and talk to someone else about our problems. But when the Scripture tells us that God is an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God, He is an all-present God, and that He's a very present help in the time of trouble, we go through days in our life, this is what I'm fixing to say, we go through days in our lives suffering hardships, suffering depression, suffering things in our life that we don't have to suffer if we knew the power of God and the God that we serve and knew the promises that are in the page of this word, then we wouldn't have to go through what we went through. So tonight, that's one reason why we need to come before you and we need to minister to you on the power of God. Started on a Wednesday night service, probably going to do three, four, five services on this. But we're starting tonight talking about the power of the Word of God. So I have you every service before we start to hold the Bible in your hand and to hold it up to the Lord. So let's do that tonight. Hold it up to the Lord and say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I can have. I do what it says I can do. It is the living Word of God. I have it all. I have not missed a thing. Tonight, a part of it will be set ablaze. I will never be the same. You will never be the same. We will never be the same. In Jesus' holy name, and the church said amen. And amen. Now, if you believe that tonight, just give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Amen. I believe today that there are a lot of earnest hearts that there are in the house of God. I believe there's a lot of people that really want to know more about God. I hope that I'm talking to some of them tonight. Amen. Amen. And those earnest hearts inside of them, there is an increasing and an arising cry for more power. Everyone wants more power. I just want you to look at your neighbor and say, yeah, I know you want more power. All of us want more power. We want more power in our personal conflicts. We want more power in our conflicts that we go and have with the world's culture. We want more power in our conflicts with our own personal flesh and ourselves. We want to have and possess more power in our conflicts with the devil. And we want to have more power in the work that we perform for God and for others. So we all want more power. And we need more power. Everyone just say, we need more power. We need more power. 
And sometimes we live our life without that power. And it's because, and the reason why we live our life without the power is that the Bible makes the, the way to that power and how you obtain that power. It makes it so very plain. The devil does everything he can. The enemies do everything he can. Your husband will. Your wife will. Your, your children will do everything they can to keep you out of the pages of the Word of God because the, the devil knows, the enemy knows, that if you get into the Word of God and you begin to dissect and to digest the promises that's within those pages, and you are learned, taught and learned how to use the promises to your benefit, then the devil knows he's done lost you. So one of the most important things that you will ever do as a Christian is to devote, uh, to devote yourself to a daily Bible study, not a Bible reading, a Bible study. And we're going to teach you sometime here shortly how you're going to study the Bible. You're going to be able to go in and look up Greek words, Hebrew words. You're going to be able to go and be able to explain everyone to the doctrines that we're going through because it's imperative for you to know what God has promised you. And God wants you to know what he promised you. He wants you to be able to use what he's promised you. He wants you to be able to use them for your benefit and for his other children's benefit. So it is very important for you to know this word. Amen? How many would agree with me? Amen? Yeah. So there is no reason for me to be presumptuous tonight as I undertake the topic of coming to talk to you about how you as a Christian obtain the fullness of the power of God in your Christian life and service. I don't have to be presumptuous about that because the Bible tells us exactly how we are to grab a hold and use the power of God. And the Bible contains it all, and tell me it was written and intended by God for you to understand it. So hold that Bible up again and say this. Say this word is written in plain English. I can understand it. I will understand it. God has hid nothing from me. Everything he wants me to do, everything he wants me to possess is in my hand. That's how close it is. Now, tonight, I will learn how to put it in my life. If y'all believe that tonight, say amen. So what you got to do first is you've got to approach the Bible with the intent that you are going to formally examine every bit of the evidence that lays before you. Not just read it. Not just take Thelma's word for it. Not just take my word for it. Not just take Aunt Janice's word for it. Not just take what Grandma said about it. But you examine it and you study it and you find out and, and look at the evidence yourself. And you take what that word says and you test it out in your life. Tell your neighbor, so you got to prove it. It's very important that you prove the word of God. There's one scripture in Malachi that says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. They're supposed to be brought to the storehouse. And God said, prove me with that. Come bring it to me and see if I won't turn and pour you out a blessing, one blessing that you will not be able to handle. So all that God wants you to do in life is test him enough to where you can get one blessing. Everybody say, all I need is one blessing. And once you get that one blessing, boy, I'm going to tell you, you won't be able to maintain it. You're going to have to be able to hand it out and give it away to each other. So the Lord wants you to examine his evidence. He wants you to test out its performance. 
He wants you to look at its qualities. He wants you to go in and actually look at it and make sure that it's suitable to your life. He wants you to test it. He wants you to try it. He wants you to prove it. He wants you to apply it to your experience and the situation that you're in right now. He wants you to apply the Bible and the Word that's in it to your situation. And I will guarantee you, when you understand what promise applies to a certain situation, it don't take long of claiming that promise the proper way, and that promise will rectify the situation. So I would tell you tonight, I make a strong statement. Every problem you will ever handle in your life, you will ever look at and face in your life, can be handled and answered in the pages of the Bible. You do not have to go to a psychologist. You do not have to go to the doctor. You do not have to go talk to your pastor. You don't have to go talk to mama, daddy, brother, sister, aunt, and uncle. The answer is in the pages of the word of Almighty God. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we're going to prove that to you. The Bible, God wants you to determine and experience the power that you hold in your hand. If you could harness the power that is in your hand right now, it would fuel the world for eternity. That's how powerful it is. He wants you to experience the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We talk about the blood of Jesus Christ, but we don't really talk about the power of the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ has got so much power in it that the devil cannot cross the bloodline. The enemy cannot come across that bloodline. It can literally be your protection. It can be your shield. It can be your cover in the storm. It can be your cleaner. It can be the thing that delivers you when nothing else can deliver you. There is power in the Word of God, and there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Can the church say amen? amen. But on top of that, God wants you to determine the power of the Holy Ghost. God wants you to get so engrossed and so desirous of the power of the Holy Ghost that you will do what's necessary to receive and live and be directed by the power of the Holy Ghost. One thing we need in the church today is the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost active in the church. We need the Holy Ghost active, moving, doing things, free to move where he needs to move and free to use whoever he needs to use. So God wants you to experience the power in the Holy Ghost. Everyone say there's power in the Holy Ghost. He also wants you to understand the power of prayer. How many of you know how powerful prayer actually is? Stop and think about it just a minute. You say a word here on, on earth, and in just a few nanoseconds, it's in the heavenly throne room up in heaven. And God is hearing what you've got to say. And listen to this. The scripture says, every promise of the Lord is yes and amen. Say that with me. Every promise of the Lord is yes and amen. He didn't say, yeah, or maybe, or wait a while, or everything. He said, every promise is yeah and amen. That's a double affirmative. That is saying that when God promised you something, that God's saying there is no way that it cannot come to pass. So every promise is yes and amen with the Lord. Yes, I'm in agreement. Amen. So be it. So if God says that you yourself personally, and the Word of God says that you are healed, you were healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you are healed. And if you got to learn how to apply that promise in your life, and when we do that, we discover the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We discover the power of prayer. There's so much power in prayer. Thank God for prayer. If it weren't for prayer, we wouldn't have anything. But on top of all that, when everything's said and done, the Lord wants us to understand the power of a surrendered life. 
How many of you know anyone in your life that is truly 100% absolutely surrendered to God? Can we name a list of anyone? I'm not going to put you on the spot. But can you name a list of anyone that you know? Could you name five that you know that is absolutely 100%, totally 100% surrendered to God? God wants us to understand the power that comes with being surrendered to God. So we got a lot of work to do, amen? amen. And we're going to get there, amen? amen? Now, once you get there, then you'll know the fullness of the power that the Christian life can give you and what Christian service can do in your life. God wants you to experience the fullness of power. How many of you would agree with me tonight that there is a life that you can live here on this earth of abiding rest, Joy, satisfaction, and power. I'm going to say it again. How many of you here tonight would agree that there is a life that you can experience on this earth where you are living in abiding rest, you're living in abiding joy, you are living in a total 100% satisfaction in your life, and you are living in power over and above everything in your life. How many would agree with that? Amen. Amen. Many of us want that. How many of you would want that life? Amen. And all of us know that there is something extra beyond the life that we're living right now, but we don't know how to obtain it. And that's the problem in the church. We ain't been taught how to attain that life of abiding rest. We haven't been taught how to always have joy. We, we, we haven't been taught how to live in satisfaction. And we haven't been taught how to obtain the power, use the power, apply the power, and be a benefactor of that power. Now, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 62 tonight. We're going to start out there. And I'm going to have, I already talked 21 minutes, but I, I want to get, go kind of methodically tonight. So y'all give me enough of time to just bear through this, if you will say amen. amen. Psalm chapter 62. I'm going to get Sister Thelma here, if she will, as loud as she possibly can, to start reading in Psalm chapter number 62. Once everyone gets it to us, I want you to start reading in verse number 8 and read through verse number 12, if you will, and read it as loud as you can so everybody can hear it. Okay. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. Uh, to be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renders to every man according to his work. And let the church say amen. amen. What he's telling you there is that God is the origin of power. He's also giving you another truth that you need to hear and understand, and that is that God is the fountain of mercy. So God is a origin of power, and he is the fountain of mercy. The whole revelation of God, the whole revelation of God in every page of his Bible is declaring those two central truths. God is a God of power and God is a God of mercy. Say that with me. God is a God of power 
and God is a God of mercy. I want you to look with me, if you will, at verse number 11. And I want to read the original translation. Original translation in Hebrew says it like this. God has spoken one law, and twice we have heard this from the mouth of Moses, the great scribe, that strength or power is before God, and it becomes thee, O God, and you show to the righteous mercy, for you render to man according to his word. God has spoken one law, and he has repeated it in the mouth of Moses. And we have heard it twice. The promises of the Lord is yes and amen. When God repeats anything twice, it is showing you that it is a fact. Anytime God went to a man and called the man, he would call him twice. Adam, Adam, Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, Jacob, Jacob, Samuel, Samuel, David, David. He would go on. That was showing them that what he's talking about is a fact. And all through the pages of the Bible, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, there are two central truths that are being taught. God is a God of power. God is not just a God of power. He is all power. Then he says, because he's all power, he is a God of mercy. We need to thank God, number one, that he is a God that is all power. And we also need to thank him that he is a God that is all merciful. If he didn't have all power, he couldn't be merciful. And he couldn't be merciful if he didn't have all power. He couldn't have have all power if he wasn't all merciful. So thank God he has the power to give you the breath to breathe tomorrow. Or he's got the power to take it away from you. But because he's got the power to allow your heart to pump blood through your veins, he also has the mercy to allow your heart to still pump blood through your veins. Because if it was not for the fact that he had all the power and he controlled it, he and he had all the mercy and he controlled it, then your heart wouldn't be pumping blood through your veins because you're worthy of death, just like I am. So thank God he's a God of all power. Amen. Amen. Thank God that he's a God that is a fountain of mercy. The Bible says he is almighty. The Bible also says he has complete power. The Bible says he's all powerful. The Bible says that he is omnipotent, that he has unlimited power. Everyone says he's got unlimited power. That means he's able to do anything. Oh, I just want the devil to hear that from all of your mouth tonight. Say, God is able to do anything. Turn to Julie up there and look at you and say, God is able to do anything. Oh, I don't care. It's not whether you uh, think he will or not. God is able to do anything. And if you know how to tap into that, you can get what you need out of it. Not only is he able to do anything, he is superior to all other powers that there is out there. He surpasses all other powers and all others that there is in it. He is so powerful that he cannot be overcome and he cannot be defeated. I'm going to say it again. God is so powerful he cannot be overcome and he cannot be defeated. So what that means for you in your life is, listen, you cannot be overcome and you cannot be defeated. Say it with me. I can't be overcome and I can't be defeated. 
When we get that revelation, God can do anything. God through you can do anything. We can do all things through Christ that gives us the power or strengthens us to do so. Y'all got me now. So that's where we're starting at tonight. We're starting out that God is power. And the Bible says, I heard it once, I heard it twice. And it says there in that verse in chapter number 11 that power belongs unto God. That God's character is a character of power. Amen. So God, that word there means strength. That mean God made that word there means that God will give you the strength when you need the strength exactly how you need it. Every day you have in your life, listen to me real good, every day you experience in your life, God will give you the strength to make it through. Amen. I don't care how much strength you need, God says, I got your strength for you. I don't care how many times the devil tries to tell you to kill yourself, you got enough of power to make it through the end of the day. I don't care what happens in this day. God will give you the strength to make it through. As your days are, so shall your power be. So shall your strength be. So it don't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. Everybody say amen. amen. It don't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to have the power to handle it. No matter what happens tomorrow, Nick's going to find the power to smile. No matter what happens tomorrow, Darlene's going to have the power to stay sane. No matter what happens tomorrow, we're all going to have the power to be able to live our life and get through it. So if that's the case, everyone say amen. amen. Then you don't need to be worrying about a thing, do you? You don't need to be worrying about where the money's going to come from to put the money on the plate at the house. You ain't got to worry about paying your light bills. You ain't got to, when you grasp a hold of this here, then you begin to live in the power of Almighty God. He is so powerful, he can't be overcome and he can't be defeated. Now that's something to praise the Lord about. Because you're serving a God that cannot be overcome. And if you're a part of him, you can't be overcome. And on top of that too, he is so merciful. He is the most merciful entity that there is in the world. What that means to you, now listen to this, here's the benefits. It brings relief to you that experience something that is unpleasant. Anything that goes wrong in your life, the pressure gets hard, the mercy of God comes in and makes it a lot easier for you. Everyone just say, thank the Lord for mercy. Now I want you to go further. It means he's a forgiven God. Just look at that neighbor right beside us and say, God was merciful to me. He's a forgiven God. It also means that he is concerned for mankind and he literally is concerned about everything in your life. What did I say a couple weeks ago? The Bible says that God is concerned about everything that there is about you and he will perfect and make firm everything that concerns you. Thank God for his mercy. Because of that, his mercy, he is involved in your life whether you want him to be there or not. Amen? Amen. The word mercy also means lenient. How many of you as mamas and daddies, you literally were lenient with your children at times? Why were you lenient with them? Let me tell you a story. And I hate to do this, but the Lord said I had to. We went to the grocery store and Trevor was a little two-year-old boy wearing diapers. And he gets out in the store and he shows out a little bit. Anybody ever had that happen before? Oh, yeah. So... Michelle at the time and I were walking back to the car. And she got him to the car and reached there and pulled down his training pants and naked whipped his butt. And it made me mad. 
I mean, it literally blew my talk. And I told her, I said, you don't do that. Why? I said, he was just being a baby. That's all he was doing. He was just being a baby. He don't understand at this point why he shouldn't act out. He's two years old. He don't care if you're in the hospital, church, or if you're out yonder in the doctor's office or you're in the president's house. He don't care. If he needs something, he's going to shout out and let you know that. I was lenient. She showed no mercy. Later on, she came to me and told me I was right. I said, until someone fully understands the truth of a situation, you don't punish them. You try to work with them and show them leniency until they understand the truth. Everyone say amen if you believe that. Amen. But once they know the truth, that's when you get punished. So everyone say, thank the Lord for mercy. Because God has been lenient with you, hasn't he? Amen. He's been lenient with this church quite often in our life. Amen. And the word mercy means he shows a sorrow to you when you go through misfortune. How many has ever had something bad happen and you felt like nobody understood what you were going through? Well, let me share with you. The Lord shows mercy and sorrow to you when you're going through some unfortunate things in your life. Amen? Amen. Thank God the word mercy means he's patient. We ought to be shouting already that he is a long-suffering, patient God. Amen? Amen? That means he is restrained and he accepts and tolerates all of our delays. Everything we're delayed on. Some of us here today, how many have been saved here longer than five years? Let me see your hand. Okay. How many have been saved longer than a year? Let me see your hand. Everybody, well, if you can't raise your hand, we need to get you saved tonight. Amen. Amen. How many have been saved longer than a year? Would you raise your hand? I'm going to tell you what. The Lord is very lenient and accepts all the delays that you have in your life. He is very tolerant of how stupid we are. Amen. Amen. Thank God that he is tolerant and he accepts our leniency. He stands there and he deals with us with every problem we got. He allows us to deal with our problems, come to end on. And every time we are set back, he literally accepts that, tolerates that in our life because he's a God of mercy. And he's willing to allow uh, your existence of your opinion for a season until you understand the truth, he will uh, sit there and accept your opinion or allow it to exist that you believe it a certain way until he can prove to you that it's different. If anybody's ever lived in a house where it was one person's way or the highway, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because it didn't matter what you did. You couldn't have pleased them if you could have went out there and handed them a million dollars. It was their way or no way. Thank God that God's got some leniency in that. Amen. Amen. He's willing to allow your behavior for a while, your opinion for a while. He's willing to allow all of your delay. And um, he's so overgenerous with you that sometimes he will allow you to be blessed even when he disagrees with you. How many have been blessed and you know the Lord didn't agree with you on some things? <laughs> we need to really thank the Lord for who he is. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get a little bit further. I thank God that he's quick to pardon me. You might have to take a little bit of time to forgive me when I mess up, but immediately he forgives me. 
The Bible tells me that when he looks at the earth, he looks at the earth through the blood of Jesus Christ. How many has ever asked this question? If God is all as powerful a God as he is, how is it that he can allow for all these people to get killed, all these children to be sodomized, all these children to be raped, women to be raped? How can that happen? Anybody ever asked that question? Let me tell you why. In Revelation, the Bible says that God has a cup of wrath, a bowl. And the Bible says when his cup of wrath gets full, he'll tilt it over. If God would release his wrath all at one time, then none of us would be here on this earth. So God has given us a season of grace. He has given us a season of mercy to where his wrath is being poured into a bowl. And when the bowl comes full, the Bible says he will tilt that bowl over and pour out his wrath here on this earth and it's known as the great tribulation. Thank God I ain't got to be here through the wrath of God. Thank God that he's got a bowl of wrath up in heaven. Amen. Amen. And on the flip side of that, the power that stays that wrath is the power of prayer. Because the Bible tells me there is another bowl that's sitting there in the same room called the vial of prayer that the saints of God fill up with their prayer. And the Bible says when that bowl is full, it will be tilted out on the earth. And some of y'all are here tonight just because or just because somebody that was a silver-headed grandmama, a silver-headed daddy, somebody cared about you, got down on their knees and they prayed for you. Because that wrath should have been poured out on you. But the, the prayer bowl was flipped out over on your head. I'd somebody raise your hand up and say, thank you, Lord, for the prayer bowl. Pour it out on me all the time. Well, I'm going to tell you, we need to get that point because if we don't, we won't be praising the Lord like we should. Amen? God will wait a long time to punish you for a crime that you have committed. A long time. He will try to see, first off, if you'll come to the error of your ways and your changes. And sometimes, even though you are guilty of something, he'll let it go. Anybody ever had the Lord let something go in your life? I'm going to raise my hand up high. He's let stuff go in my life. How many of you here tonight can say, thank the Lord for everything you let go in my life? I'm going to tell you what, if you ain't got nothing else to praise the Lord about, he let go of that judgment that should have fell on you when you committed that crime that the police didn't see and you should have went to jail or you should be serving a life sentence right now. He let that go in your life. Someone say amen. amen. So when you talked about that person and ruined their, their, their chances on success in their life because the next person they went to heard what you had to say and they didn't hire them for that job paying them $700,000 a year and you messed up their life, you should have went to prison, you should have been killed, you should have got an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but you didn't get it. So thank God he let it go. Amen. Every time you talked about the preacher in the wrong way, help me Jesus, God let it go. So everybody just say, thank the Lord for letting it go. Amen. So we find that inference in the Bible that God is the most powerful, the most just, the most holy God. But he's also on the flip side of that. He is the most merciful and compassionate Lord. And because of that, because him having all power and because he is the most compassionate Lord, he is going to judge this world and he will render to every man according to his works. That's the scripture of the Bible. Who's got Job 33 and 14? 
Read it out loud, if you will. Job 33 and 14. For God spake it once, uh, yeah, twice, yet man uh, perceiveth it not. For God speaks once, mm -hmm. yes, he speaks twice, and man perceives it not. How many times has God spoke to you in your life and you didn't perceive what he was saying? God will continually speak, continually speak, continually speak, continually speak. The problem in life is, is that man will not perceive what does saith Almighty God. We won't agree with it in notion, but we don't understand it completely. We're set in our ways. We're hard-headed. There's a, uh, a lot of hard-headedness in my family. I'm probably the ringleader of it. But the truth of the matter is, being God has talked to me on so many occasions and he spoke to me and repeated it to me and I still didn't hear what he had to say. How many of you here would identify with me tonight and say, yep, I'm in the same boat? Then you better thank God that God is all-powerful and all-merciful. Because if he won't all-powerful and he won't all-merciful, then you wouldn't be here tonight, Amen. So what the psalmist there was teaching us in the scripture in Psalm 62 and 1 is that all other resources in life fail. You can't trust anything else, any confidence that you have in your life. You can't put it in nothing else but God. Because anything that man needs, hear what I'm saying, anything that man needs is found in God. I'm going to say it again. Anything that man needs is found in God. Say this with me. Say, anything I need, I can find it in God. Mm -hmm. I just gave you the answer to life right there. If you want to know how to become wealthy, you can find it in God. If you want to know how to become powerful, you can find it in God. If you want to know how to be a good witness to the world, you can find how to do that in God. If you want to be able to be the man of your house, then you can find out how to do that in God. If you want to be a good husband, a good wife, a good brother, a good sister, a good aunt, good mama, daddy, nephew, whatever it is, you can find it in the Word of God. Anything that you need, you find it in God. So if that's the case, then why is it when God speaks and he speaks again, we still are hard-headed and will not listen to him? Hmm. That's something to ask, amen? You cannot put confidence in people. How many of you would agree with that? Anybody ever put confidence in somebody and they let you down? The Bible tells us, you just read it, that you can't put confidence in people of a low degree or high degree. It don't matter if Donald Trump is a billionaire. You can't put no confidence in him. It don't matter if I'm as broke as Job's poor mouse in his house. You can't put no confidence in me. The Bible says, do not trust any man, for every man will slander. That word slander means they'll tell a lie. Look at that right beside and say, yep, mm -hmm, you told a lie. We all have, haven't we? Sometimes we don't tell the full truth. We've all lied. But we can't trust in anyone. But the Bible tells us that we can't trust in nobody but God. 
But yeah, we'll run out there and put our trust in the job, put our trust in the boss man, put our trust in the preacher, put our trust in our mama, our daddy, and we'll go out and hand out our trust to everybody, and we know the whole time they're going to let us down. We do it. We do it and know that you can't do that, that you're walking on dangerous ground. Amen. Sheila, can you read verse number 9 there again in Psalm, Psalm 62? Read it out as loud as you can. If she can't read it, then Thelma can read it. Verse number 9. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are alive. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Surely men of low degree are all vanity, and men of high degree ain't nothing but a lie. Mm -hmm. If you lay them in a balance and weigh them out, they're nothing but vanity. So God is telling you, do not put your trust in your husband. Don't put your trust in your wife. Don't put your trust in your sister, your brother, your aunt. They're all going to let you down. That word vanity there means they soon pass out of sight. Their memory's gone. Their existence is gone. They quickly form before you and they disappear. It's like your breath. You can't see it. I blew. You didn't see it. You knew it. You heard it. You seen it. And now it's gone. So we can't put our, our, our belief in any type or our confidence in any man of flesh. We can't do that because they're not really real. They're not actual. They're not genuine. They don't have a foundation for you to build your confidence and your trust on in your life. You can't look at someone else and build your life on them because their foundation is not your foundation. Amen? Amen. The Bible, that word vanity means that everyone, every man really, whether he comes from a low degree or a high degree, is worthless and he's useless and he has the inability to achieve the intended goal that he has in his life. So what he's saying to you there is, without God, you don't have no power. You ain't got the power to make nobody love you. You ain't got the power to be intelligent. You ain't got the power to be wealthy. Without God, you don't have that power. Are y'all following me tonight? Amen. Amen. Now, who has Psalm 39 and 15? I'm sorry, 39 and 5. I just want you to read the first sentence out of that. Psalm 39 and 5. Who did I give that to? Stop right there. Verily, every man at his very best state in life mm -hmm. is vanity. Mm -hmm. The very best that you can possibly be is still worthless. Mm -hmm. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. Your intellect is as filthy rags. Your talent, your abilities, everything you can do, they are at your very best state. When you are the best you could ever possibly be, worth absolutely nothing without God. Does that have some, some understanding here tonight? Amen. Now, Psalm 62 and 10. Read that one more time, if you will, out loud. Kind of loud. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, 
So trust not in any type of oppressive action. Don't trust in money. Don't trust in any act of power. Don't you put your trust in any plunder. Don't put your trust in wealth. It is not about how much money you got in the bank. It's not about how you make your money. Don't do that there because the spirit of, uh, I'm sorry, the power of, of strength that man needs, the ability to defend and to save him, is only found in God. Money ain't going to save you. Money can answer everything, but money will not save you. Amen? Amen? Everything else out in the world will fail. Everything. Wherever you put all your time at. But the power of God cannot fail. Someone say amen. amen. So we got to trust God alone. Say that with me. I got to trust God alone. Say it again. I got to trust God alone. One more time. I got to trust God alone. Now, Thelma, read Psalm 62, 7 and 8. Read it out loud. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Say it Everyone say amen. amen. Now look at that verse real good. Look at that verse real good. In God is my salvation. Everyone say that's how I'm going to get saved. Oh, talk with me now. That's how I get saved. In God. Then he goes on. He said, and in God is my glory. Then he goes on. He said, he's the rock of my strength and he is my refuge. He is your cover in the middle of the storm. And then he gives you a command. Trust in him at all times. Ask your neighbor right beside of you. Say, have you trusted in him at all times? Mm -hmm. How many would have to answer and say no? So we are to trust in him at all times. Trust him at all times. And he says the way you trust him at all times, look at what it says, is you pour out your heart before him. Because he is a refuge for you. You pour out your heart to him. How many has ever had a heartfelt talk with a certain person, another person? And you found it pretty easy to talk to that person when you really needed to talk to them, right? Why can't we pour out our heart to the Lord? Why can't we go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, now you sent me to live in Water Worship Center and I've been there for two years and the church ain't grown and we're having all types of trouble. Lord, is this my wrong that you gave to, to Paul? Is this my reason? If this is my reason and I'm going to be sitting in here, then when am I going to see some products and some fuel from my labor? When am I going to see my reward? Why can't we go before the Lord and talk to him like that there? Why is it that we don't trust in him all the time? We're out there trying all these little gimmicks and all these little quick fixes to handle things and we're getting ourselves in trouble. God has a plan for your life. He's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan on how you get wealthy. He's got a plan on how you stay wealthy. He's got a plan on how you get healthy and how you stay healthy. He's got a plan how you get his power and how you keep his power. He's got a plan on how you touch base with him up in heaven and how you can attain the power of prayer. He's got a plan on how you can move in the power of the Holy Ghost and he wants you to execute that plan and he wants you to trust in him that his plan will work and if we get messed up in our life, we are to go before him and pour out our hearts to God. Amen. There is nothing in the world wrong with you asking the Lord, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? 
Why is it that this happened in my family? Why is it that my brother ain't here no more? Why is it, Lord, talk to me? The Bible is the word of God. Amen. God is the only true stronghold that there is in this world here today. That word refuge means he is my stronghold. Everybody say God's my stronghold. That means he's your defense. He's your shelter. He is literally taking care of you. He has you behind it. The enemy can't come to you. And the longer that you know him, the more you can get close to him and you can let your needs be made known to him and pour your heart out to him. There is no need for you to have to call a helpline. There is no need for you to have to go see a counselor. There is no need for you to have to go see a psychiatrist. You can pour out your heart to God and God will answer you. Is that pretty good teaching tonight? Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Let's go a little bit further. So if God is a great reservoir of power, and we've agreed with that tonight. Amen. Amen. Why is it we're going somewhere else to try to find power? If the electrical company here in Bladenboro, North Carolina, is Four County Electric, and that's the only one that services this town, then why is it that we're running over yonder to do power trying to get them to hook us up some power? Don't make no sense, does it? If that's the only place you can get power, where are you going to go get power? Four County Electric. You'd be stupid out there to keep calling Duke and say, when are you going to bring me some power? If God is the only place you can find some power to get wealth, why in the world are you begging your boss man to give you a promotion? Because your boss man ain't the one that's going to give you any wealth. It's God that's going to give you that wealth. Are you there with me tonight? Amen. Amen. So what is it that God has given man, if he is the reservoir of power that we say he is, that will give you the avenue in life to get to that power? What do you think it is? How many of you here can answer that? That gives you the avenue to be able to get to the power that God has for you. What is it? Prayer. Prayer. No, ain't prayer. Prayer is a part of it, but it ain't prayer. You can pray all day long, but without it, prayer ain't never going to be answered. The word. The what? The word. The word. Who said word? The word. Anyone give God a good hand clap of praise? This is your avenue to the power of God. God is all power. This is your avenue to it. This tells you how to get to it. This tells you how to grab a hold of it. This tells, That's why the first book you should ever buy and the book you should always keep good and pristine in your life is the Word of God. It's the first book you should read in the morning, the last book you lay down at night with. The Word of God. The Word of God. Because there's a whole lot of people in the church right now that's praying for power, but they neglect that book. Can someone say amen? amen. There is a whole lot of people wanting the power of God. They're wanting wealth. They're wanting to be healed. They're wanting to be delivered. They're wanting to be brought out of this situation. But they have forgotten about the avenue to get to the power that will cause that to happen. There's many of us that wants our children saved. Will somebody say amen? amen? But if we neglect the word of God, then we ain't going to have the power to be able to help them get saved. Why? Who's got Luke chapter 8 verse 11? Who's got that? This is Jesus talking. Luke 8, 11. Anybody got it? Read it. Read it. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Read it out again loud. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
Everyone say the seed is the Word of God. I, I, I really hate to see the day when everyone has to stand before God and all these preachers that's got on television said, you need to send me a seed, 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 send me a seed of faith, send me this. Boy, that is a doctrine straight from hell. I got to tell you, it's a doctrine straight from hell because if I'm going to send you a seed, the Bible out of Jesus' mouth said right there what it was. What was it? The Word of God. So if you want a seed, then I'm going to send you a word of God. The seed of faith that they're preaching to you, I'm telling you, that is a demonically inspired scripture because it's taking your attention off of the true power, which is the word of God. The word of God is the power. The seed is the word of God. And there's a whole lot of people that long to have the power of wealth in their life. They want to be able to bear fruit. They want to be able to do what they want to do. They want to be able to melt the cold hearts of the people that's in their family and break their stubborn will, but yet they neglect the Bible, and the Bible is the seed that will bring all that to pass. This is the seed of the Word of God. Y'all with me tonight, amen? amen? Who's got Jeremiah 23, 29? Read it loud. Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the raw in pieces. Ain't my word like a fire. What does a fire do to metal? Metal. It can melt it and turn it around. What does it do to gold? Purifies it. So the Word of God is like a fire. You want something to be purified in your life? Put the Word of God on it. You want your children's life to be purified? Put the Word of God on it. You want your church to be purified and cleaned up of all their impurities? You put the Word of God on it. Amen? If you got a rock and a stumbling block in your house, in your life, in your family, in your relationship, and you put the Word of God on it because the hammer of God will get that Word and break it into pieces so that you can overcome it. It is the fire of God. And God even asked, He said, Ain't my Word a fire? Ain't my Word a hammer? And if it's a fire that can take care of all of that, if it's a hammer that can break down all of the obstacles, then why is it that you're not using my Word? So this word is powerful, amen. So if you're going to obtain the fullness of the power of God, you got to start feeding on the word of God. You got to eat the word of God. You got to live in the word of God. You got to know the word of God. There's nothing, no other strength found nowhere else. It's all found in the word of God. So if you're going to have power, you're going to have to know how to study the word of God. How many want power in your life? Let me see him. Hold both of them up if you want it. Well, then you're going to have to learn how to study the Word of God. Not just read it, study it. That's my job here for the next little while. I'm going to teach you how to study the Word of God. You're going to learn how to study the Word of God, where you can take one word and spend a week in it to understand what thus saith God. God wants you to know this book from one end to the other. Another thing that the power of God is God is the power to convict things. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Who's got that? Read it out for me, if you will. Acts 2, 37. Who's got it? 
Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So when they heard what Peter said, they were brought in deep conviction. What did they hear Peter preach? The Word of God. Mm -hmm. That is one of the best biblical theological studies of the Word of God that Peter preached there on the day of Pentecost. So you have got to give the Word of God out for it to bring conviction. If you don't release the Word of God, it is not going to convict anything. It is the instrument that God appointed here on this earth for conviction. It is his word. He said, I sent my word to heal them. That word heal there means he convicted you with it. He come in, he set things straight. It is the word of God that causes people to fall under conviction. That's the reason why the devil does not want the word of God preached in the church right now because the word of God will convict people's hearts. I am not up here to preach this word to tip your toes. I don't want to touch your toes. I I don't want to see them. I don't want to smell them. I don't want to feel them. I want to get a hold of your hearts. And it's the word of God that gets into your heart and it changes those things. Now who's got Matthew 22, 37 through 38? Read that out for me if you will. Okay, look at that there. What commandment is this? What did it say there, Julia? What, what commandment is it? The great and first commandment. It is the great and the first commandment that you do what? Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Ain't that what she said? That's the number one commandment. It's the great commandment. <laughs> all right, Julia, I'm going to put you on the spot. If that's the truth, What's the first and great sin? If that is the number one commandment and the great commandment, then what is the first and great sin? Not loving, God. Not loving the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and body. Amen. Amen. So the question is, have you kept that commandment? Have you loved the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body? Have you kept that commandment? If that's the number one commandment in the kingdom of Almighty God and it's the great commandment, have we kept it? We haven't, have we? Amen. So that word has power to convict. So when you're witnessing to somebody, all you got to do is say, Jesus said, because that was Jesus talking there. Jesus said the number one and the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. That's the number one commandment. If that's the number one commandment, then what's the number one sin? They're going to tell you not keeping the commandment. And then you look right at them and say, well, have you kept it? They can't tell you yes. It brings conviction. Another thing, and we're going to touch two more areas. I want you to see that the Word of God has the power in your life to regenerate things. Everyone say that with me. The Word of God has the power to regenerate things. What does the word regenerate mean? Make something what? Brand new, to generate more power, to give on. So the Word of God has more power in it to regenerate you. Who's got 1 Peter 1 and 23? If you do, read it out real loud. First Peter 1, 23. I know I gave it to somebody. So, so you've been born 
as the word of God, not not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, not perishable seed, not not imperishable seed. You've been born. You've been born. I'm sorry, of imperishable seed. That is, it is the living word and the enduring word of God. It regenerates you. It does it on a daily basis. Not only does it have the power to regenerate and give you power, it has the power to regenerate your marriage. It has the power to regenerate your church. It has the power to regenerate your health. It has the power to regenerate your family. It has the power to regenerate your, your relationships. It's got the power to regenerate your town. It's got the power to regenerate your nation. It's got the power to regenerate the world. It's got the regeneration in it. James 1 and 18. Someone read that out with me, if you will. James 1 and 18. Who's got that one? Who's got it? I can't wait for him. Birdie, Birdie. Birdie does? Yeah. Read it out, Birdie. Can you see it? Well, let me see it. Nah. Her eyes ain't quite right. I got you. Okay. Of his own will beget he to us with the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God says it is the word of God that by his own will he brought us forth by that word of truth. It was that word of truth that convicted us and he did that there because we are the first fruits of all of his creation. So for you to be born again, you got to look into what the word says about Jesus Christ and you got to believe it and then the Holy Spirit will reveal it. So somebody has got to put the, the, the word in you, place a seed in you so that you can believe on something and when you believe on it then the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you and God will literally change you. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, who's got that as I build that just a little bit further? Read that out with me. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, this is Paul talking. So Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but it was God that gave the increase. So the word was preached, Apollos watered the word, and God gave the increase. So the question here as, as your lot in the kingdom of God is are you a planter of the seed of God or are you a waterer of the seed of God? Because it is the seed or the word of God that literally brings about that new life in your heart. It, and, and, and it actually says that, that it brings about the new life of God in you. So I was I begin to wrap this up and go to my next one. Second Peter 1 and 4. Who's got that? Who's got 2 Peter 1 and 4? I'll read it. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature of God. Listen to what he's saying. He said, I gave you my promises so you can use these promises so that you can have the divine nature of God in your life. Everyone say, I got to have his promise to have his nature. Now I'm going to help you. Are you ready tonight now? Amen. Oh, Lord. So God says he's given you promises so that the new life can be birthed on the inside of you, that you can have the divine nature of God. What that means to you is that the word of God produces faith. I know you've heard that. It's a rudimentary study. But Romans 10 and 7, who's got that? Well, who shall sin in 
Are you reading Psalm Romans 10 and 7? Uh, go to verse 8. But what saith he is, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith. All right. Alright, read verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Alright, verse 10. So how is it that you get saved? By the word. By the word. By the blood of Jesus Christ, but by the word. Without the word, you can't believe in the blood. Where do you get faith at? The Bible tells us that we get faith by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So you can't get faith by just praying. Oh, tell me Jesus. I asked someone the other day, I said, why don't you come to church? Well, I'm a Christian. I got faith in the Lord. I pray all the time. And I looked at him and I said, mm, your, your faith ain't got a whole lot with it. Because you cannot get faith by praying. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If you don't hear the Word of God, you ain't going to have no faith. Amen? And you cannot get faith by the effort of your own will. There's no way for you to do it. You can try to live good all your life, you cannot, but you cannot get faith without hearing the Word of God. Why? Because faith is the product of a cause. And faith is the product of a cause, and the cause is the Word of God. The Word of God causes faith. Everybody say that with me. The Word of God causes faith. The more you hear the Word of God, the more faith you're going to have. The more preachers you listen to that preaches the unadulterated Word of God, the more faith you're going to have. Amen. And listen here, faith is the, the Greek word pistis, and it starts out and says in the picture that faith must have a foundation. I cannot just tell you, believe on the Lord. Believe on the Lord. Believe on the Lord. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that and cause you to have faith. I cannot tell you in your life that Jesus healed you without sharing you the word, and I can't just tell you, be healed you got to know what to believe and you got to have a foundation for that. Why? Because faith don't just float on the air. Faith is created when the Word of God comes in your heart and a seed is planted there and you have it nourished and nurtured until it springs forth. It is a planting like a farmer that plants it and then you are irrigated and it produces faith. Saving faith comes from the Word of God, but also prevailing faith. Prevailing faith comes to you in prayer. Saving faith comes to the Word of God. And prevailing faith is when you take the Word of God and you pray it in prayer. Here, write this down. Real faith has a guarantee. Real faith has a guarantee. Oh, that's something you really need to get in your heart. Because you have got to have a definite promise of God's word to rest your faith upon. The Bible says you don't have what you ask for because you ask a miss, meaning you have not got a promise of the Lord yet that you are standing in and repeating and believing upon. So we are to enter into God's presence, number one, with our desire and tell him what we need. 
And in that desire that we want to have, we are to find a promise in the Bible that gives us that desire. And we are to present that promise to God. All right, you need healing. You're sick. The Lord said that's part of it. You find the scripture in the Bible that is a promise that says, if you ask anything in the name of Jesus Christ, that it shall be given unto you if you abide in him. And then you go further and it says all the promises of God are yes and amen. And then you take the scripture that says, all right, it says in the stripes of Jesus Christ I was healed. And you present that to God and say, okay, God, this is the promise that you gave me and I believe that promise and now I'm proving you, prove yourself to your promise. And God will do it. Now that's how you get your prayer answered, amen. So, how many of you here really want more power with God? Amen. Amen. How many of you really want to have more power with the Holy Ghost? How many of you need the power of the Holy Ghost? How many would love to have the power of the Holy Ghost? Who's got Luke 11, 13? Read it out real loud. So the Bible says, if you know how, and you're being evil, you know how to give your children a good gift, then how much more would God give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him for it? What he's saying to you is, can't you believe that God wants you to have the Holy Ghost? How many here but not believes that God wants you to have the Holy Ghost? How many want to believe tonight that God wants you to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? How many here tonight believe that he, you, uh, God wants you to have the power that the Holy Ghost has? Amen. Well, then you got to seek it, find it, and begin to use it in your life. Amen. Amen. Because prevailing faith, prayer comes from you studying the Word of God, finding those promises, knowing those promises, laying them out before God, and then you go before the Lord, and John 15 and 7 says this. Who's got that, by the way? Me. Read it out loud. All right, there's two conditions there. If you abide in me. Now, let me share something with you. You can abide in Jesus, but not abide in his word. You can say I'm a Christian and be abiding in you. You can be in Christ, but not abide in his word. And if you are just one that is abiding in Christ and you go before the Lord and you pray, then you don't have what you say. But, if you abide in Jesus, everybody say, I'm in Jesus. And if you abide in his word, you know the word, you know the promise, you meet those two conditions. What does that scripture say? It says, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. There's your answer right there why you ain't got your prayers answered. It's either you're not abiding in Christ, or you're not abiding in the word, or you're not in either. Because if you abide in Christ and you abide in the word, you're going to get what you say. You're going to get exactly what you ask for. I'm telling you, that's a God that tells you, hey, anything that you want, I have it. And anything you need, I have it. 
and you got the opportunity to get anything you want, anything you need. All you got to do is abide in me and abide in my word. Let my word abide in you. If you do that, you can ask whatever you will. Now, if you really want to take the Christian experience and you want to get someone to get some faith in their life, sit them down and teach them the book of John. The, John is in, uh, the book of John is the inspired book of Christian evidences that gets rid of every bit of doubt that people has in their life about Jesus. So we're going to finish up, I think, in, in John chapter uh, 20 tonight, verse 31. We're going to go a couple more verses, but this is really where we're going to finish up at. Who's got John 20 and 31? Read it one more time out loud. Everybody listen real good. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So the book of John was written for a couple reasons. Number one, that you would believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God, and that in that believing you're going to have life in his name. So everybody say, I'm going to have conquering life in his name. Now, who has 1 John 5 and 4? Read that out for me, if you will. 1 John 5 and 4. Did y'all see that? Who is it that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How many of you feel like that the world is overcoming you sometimes? Look at why you feel that way. Because the Bible says you're the one that overcomes the world if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Something's going on in your life that's keeping you from believing that Jesus is the Son of God. So you have overcome the world. Amen? Someone say Amen. Now, let's finish up Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33 through 34. Who's got that? Listen to what faith will do for you. Listen real good. Read it out loud. So you guys see what's happening. Let's, let's listen to it real good, real quick. She read it as good as she could. It says, through faith you subdue kingdoms. Through faith you wrought righteousness. You took things straight, made it right. You obtained the promise through faith. These people stopped the mouth of a lion through faith. These people quenched the violence of fire with faith. They escaped the edge of the sword. And out of their weakness, they brought forth things that were strong. They waxed up violent, I'm sorry, violent in their fight. And they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Faith can do a lot of things in your life. But listen to what it said in verse 35 through 36. It said, faith caused women to receive their dead raised back to life again. 
Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial or cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, desiring destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, because God had provided something better for thing for them, that they without us should not be made perfect. Mm-hmm. Faith, now listen to me now. Faith comes about in your life and the word of God comes up and brings that faith in your life. And the word of God brings anything you need because the Bible says power belongs to the Lord. Now, let me finish this up. Psalm 29 and 11. Who's got that? Did I give that to anybody? I'll read it. The Lord will give strength to his people. That's all you need to hear. The Lord will give power to his people. The Lord will give you strength when you need it. The Lord will give power to you when you need it. The power on this earth belongs to God. God is power. And all that belongs to God, you can have it. And it's there for you for the asking. It's there for you. It's at your disposal. You can use it. Then Holy Ghost begins to impart that power to you in your life. And uh, over over uh, periods of time in your life, every condition exists. But God brings you to one condition, and that is your life becomes to be surrendered. So as I close tonight, how many had prayers that God did not answer? Or you haven't seen the answer yet in how many tonight, listening to this word, has found out why it is that that prayer did not get answered? Let me tell you why it didn't get answered. Although you were abiding in Him, you didn't know what promise to grab a hold of and to present before God. When you present that promise before God, all power is given unto you, and you lay it before Him, and you get it. How many here just said a little while ago, I want to have the power of the Holy Ghost? And how many said amen? amen? You want to test that tonight? You want to see how much power the Holy Ghost you want to have? The Bible says that God is a good father. And you are an evil mom or father. And if we can give our children good gifts, God so much more wants to give you a good gift. And if you ask him for the Holy Ghost, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. So how many of you really want to know that? Do all you got to do is ask for it. That's it. God will give it to you. All you got to do is ask for it. You first off must allow the word of God to come in your heart, and you've got to be saved. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, it's because you haven't learned what promise you need to claim for. So everyone say this with me tonight, and I, I try to get say every promise, every promise of, God of God is yes, yes. And, amen. and amen. Oh, so that means if Thelma needs something from the Lord, she finds a promise that covers that, and she goes before the Lord, she says, All right, Lord, you promise, then she's gonna have what she told the Lord. She said, Hey, you promised this. How many need some more money? Let me see your hand. 
you need some more money. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the earth is his footstool. And God said that he is a God that is a, a father that will give you good gifts if you'll ask for it. And you can have whatever you want to have if you abide in Jesus and you abide in his word. You will have what you say. So if that's the fact, and God gave you a blank check, how big that check you want him to write tonight? Oh, how much? Is that all? How much? Three dollars. Is that all you want? Three dollars. Boy, he's much satisfied. Now, I'm trying to punch this to you. I'm trying to get you to understand. There is no limitation on God. God will give you anything he wants. He will give you anything you desire. As long as you are abiding in him, and the word abides in you. If you are abiding in him and you have found the promise in the Bible that says this can be yours. You go before the Lord, you lay it in front of him saying this is mine. I'm standing up, it's mine. I got as much money as Donald Trump's got. I got as much money as anybody else got. I got this, I got that. I'm healed. I ain't sick. I'm not going to be this sick anymore. The longer you do that, the more you do it, it brings forth the fruit. And the Bible says whatever you ask in prayer, it shall be given unto you. That's how powerful prayer is. That's how much powerful the Word of God is because you got to have the Word of God mixed in with your prayer to be able to get what you want. All right? So let me ask you again. How many of you, if you had a blank check and God said, here's a blank check, write it for any amount that you want, what would you write it for? Ten million. Everything in heaven. Everything in heaven. What would you do? Ten million. She said ten million. What would you write it for? Have you ever even thought about it like that? What would you write it for? God wrote to Solomon and he said, All right, Solomon, what do you want? He said, I could have asked for anything in the world. I'd give it to you. He said, I want the wisdom to lead your people. Because with wisdom comes wealth. With wisdom comes power. With wisdom comes knowledge. With wisdom comes insight. With, with wisdom comes the, the power and the ability to make the right decision when you need to make the right decision. He knew that if he had wisdom, he was going to be able to take the earthly things here and the elements and put it all together, and they would all work together for his good. So he asked for wisdom. He could have asked for money, but the bottom line is, is God is saying, all right, listen, Living Word Worship Center in this next coming phase, and it's been this way for 2,000 years. But in this next coming phase, I'm going to make you realize that anything you need and anything you desire is yours, providing you abide in me and my word abide in you. So what does that mean? That means Bertie's going to start studying the word of God a whole lot more, amen? You're looking at me. <laughs> I said Bertie. I love you. Look at me. You want to read and study the Word of God more. Amen? Yeah. How many is going to start committing yourself to memorize the Word of God? All right, let me ask you a question. This is pastor talking to you. I'm not preaching, I'm talking tonight. How many of you know where the promise is in your life to fire a church back up in the Bible? Anybody know? It's there. I wish you could find it. I've been praying it a long time. I believe it's about to happen. How many of you in your life know that if you're sick where the promise is in the Bible 
that you can claim before God to say, I'm not sick, I'm well. If you don't know it, you better be finding it. Amen. Amen. How many of you, if you're depressed and you, know, you fight depression, know where the scripture is in the Bible where God promised you peace and joy everlasting? He promised you all that. How many of you know the scripture in the Bible, the promise in the Bible that God says that you are more than a conqueror? How many of you know the scripture in the Bible verbatim where it says that if you go before the Lord, you know and you can ask and you know and have confidence in him that he hears what you say. And if he hears you, you have what you say. How many of you know when God prays, you pray to God, he hears you? Well, how many of you don't have your prayers answered? Because the Bible says that if you know that he hears you, you've got that confidence in him, and whatever you ask of him, it shall be done. It's yours. So anything that is on the face of the earth, anything up in heaven can be yours because you're in Christ. question is, why ain't you got it? Hard, direct line question. Why didn't you got it? Don't have the word. Don't have the word. Why, why, why don't you have it, Jimmy? Because we don't have the word. We're not abiding in the word. I went and held a revival as I closed tonight. I went and I held a revival in Roseboro, North Carolina. I walked into the church and I got 250 people. I had a sermon prepared, and all this was going to preach it. The Lord said, I don't want you to preach, so I want you to get up and ask a question. It's okay. The question was, explain to me what the phrase born again means. And I started it preaching. And nobody in the whole church could explain to me what the phrase born again means. Now, how in the world? Can God give you what you need and what you desire if you don't even know what happened to you on the day you got saved? That's scary. Mm -hmm. So this whole topic tonight is to make you believe in the character of God. God is not a God that you have to beat something out of. God is not a God that you've got to please a thousand percent to get what you need. The only requirements that he has in life for you to get what you need is that you believe in him and that you're in him by Jesus Christ and the word of God dwells in you and you've got to promise your holy one. So the question tonight is, why did you come to church? You came to church tonight because there's a promise that you've heard in your life somewhere down the road, and you know you can find the answer in God. That's why you're here tonight. You must say amen. amen. That's why you're here tonight. Your life is in such a mess that you have got to find an answer. You have tried everything else. You've tried alcohol. You tried drugs, you tried love, you tried relationships, you tried friendship, you tried jobs, you tried all this stuff, and you're still in a mess. 
But down deep on the inside of you, somebody down the road put the seed of the Word of God in your heart that says that God can answer every one of your problems. He can handle all of your issues. He can give you the answer to every problem you've got. And He will be with you and is concerned about you. And you know that. You believe it with all of your heart. That's why you're here tonight. You might be 20, you might be 30, you might be 13, you might be 70, you might be 80. And those promises has not come to pass in your life. And in the last little while, you have thought in yourself, does God really exist? Is what I've heard about God the truth? And as long as you are doubting that, God cannot put you in him and he can't give you anything that's in him. But the minute you finally agree in the character of God, that God is all power, that God is concerned about you, and that he sent his son Jesus Christ to save you, and he's a lenient, full of mercy God, that you can accept him and you can trust in him when you can't trust in no one else. Anything you need for God to straighten out in your life can be changed and straightened out immediately. So you came to this church tonight because you need to know more about God's character. You need to be a good father to that child. You need to be a good mama to that child. You need to be a good grandma to them too. You need to be a good aunt to me. <laughs> and I need to be a good friend to y'all. We need to know how to do that. I need to know how to tolerate Darlene when she's driving me crazy. learn how to do that the more the word of God is in my life. <coughs> it should be your favorite book. I want you to grab that Bible. I want you to hold it in your hand before I read tonight. There is a lot of people on this face of this earth that is powerful. They got power. But when you hold it in your hand right there is more power than every person on the face of this earth and all the power they've got mixed together. Mm -hmm. That right there has got more power than anything and anybody, any group that there is in the world. It can save your soul. It can save your child's soul. It can save your daddy. It can save your mama. It can save you. It can deliver you. It can bless you. It can bring you out of the deep admired way. It can take care of you when nobody else is there. It can literally change your life in the spirit in the moment of one second. It is so vitally important in your life that you ought to sleep with it. You ought to go and move with it. You ought to carry it to the word, to the, to the job with you. You ought to carry it to the grocery store with you. It should be so much in you that wherever you go, the word of God is in you. Because when the Word of God is there, it will change the atmosphere that's around you. It happens in this church. You walk in here in this church, and you're depressed, wore out, ready to throw your hands up, and two or three people stand up and speak to you with the Word of God in them, and you get the power to go forth and face the world again. That's the Word of God. You should love it so much that you would ring Thelma's 
telephone off the hook for her to tell you what she knows about it. You should be on your hands and knees in front of Janice, which is one of the oldest ones that we have here in this church tonight, that can tell you what she's learned about that scripture. It is the thing that will change your life. This is the greatest commandment, the number one commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, all thy body. That's the number one commandment. So the number one sin is not to love the Lord like that. Mm -hmm. So how you been doing? <coughs> how you been doing? On a grade of one to ten, what would you give yourself? What would you give yourself? You ought to know. Are you passing or are you failing? What would you give yourself? If you can't answer that question tonight, then you need to get saved. Mm -hmm. Plain if you can't say in your life, well, I hadn't totally arrived yet, maybe I'm a seven, or maybe I'm a three, or even maybe I'm a one. If you can't answer that question, you need to get saved tonight. Mm -hmm. At least you'll be a one then. Instead of a zero. That's the first step. Second step is, is you grab a hold of the promise that can change your life. Look, church. There were people in the Bible. They lived out in the mountains. They had nothing. There were people in the Bible. They were mocked and ridiculed, run down, beaten, all this stuff. But yet they held on to a promise. There were people in the Bible that were raped. There were people in the Bible that were killed. Their mama got killed. Their husband got killed. Their children got killed. But they never, ever turned back on the Lord. They held on to the promise. Because the word was on the side. I'm not going to put you on the spot tonight, but there are some of you, I'm shouting my voice now, you need to have a heartfelt talk with God right now. Right now. And we're going to let, allow you to do that tonight as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I sense the conviction of the Lord, not just on two or three, but on several. And we're going to lead you to the Lord tonight. And this time, you're going to have a foundation to build your faith on. So everyone repeat this after me as we do it together. Say, Heavenly Father, I give you praise tonight. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love for me. Tonight, I want to be in Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died for me. I accept that in my life. I've sinned against you. I've not kept the great commandment. I've loved other things with my heart. I've loved other things with my soul. I've loved other things with my life. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't love you. Lord, help me to love you. Help me to be in you. Tonight, Lord, I ask you to accept me back in your fold. To accept me back in your family. Pour out your love on me. I ask you tonight to make your word alive in me. 
I ask you tonight to give me the knowledge to find the promise that I need to find and proclaim it before you and stand on it in belief. I believe tonight that you are all powerful, that you're all merciful, that you're my God, you're my Father, you're my Deliverer, you're my Redeemer, and in you is salvation. And I call upon you to bring that in my life. I open my heart, I open my life, and in my best of my ability, I will try to keep that number one commandment, to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my body. In Jesus' name. Amen. And there was some tonight that made that statement. They made it with a deeper heartfelt than they've ever made it before in life. How many agree with that? Say amen. Amen. I'm glad you came to church. Amen. I know this is different than what you've been through, but God's wanting you to understand his power. Amen. So, everybody smile. How many of you feel like God really helped you tonight? Amen. How many of you right now have made a new dedication to the Lord? All right, I'm going to be in church when I need to be at church. Amen. I'm going to study my word on a daily basis. I'm going to find out who I need to talk to and learn what they got. I'm going on with Jesus just the same. I'm not yeah. going to go on like I can go out and change my life tonight. If that's you, say amen. 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 Stand with me. Hug and hand, shake your hands, tell them you love them. God bless you all for coming. Tomorrow morning, y'all have a prayer tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay, and then Friday night, 6 o'clock, be here with Friday night with Janice Wright. Mm -hmm. She's going to lay out the word to you and straighten y'all up and oh, pick you a couple of and all this stuff and get right good with the Lord. Stuff. Come here. Sunday morning, seven, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 945. Is that right? 9.30. Sunday morning, 9.30. They're going to be here for breakfast. Y'all come on in and be with them. They'll serve breakfast up until about 15 to 20 minutes after 10. And then we'll start service at 10.30. Shake your hand, hook your neck, tell you love somebody. If you don't love them too good, just bump them in the head with the microphone. Don't give it to her. Oh, you better run. <laughs> hey. You're trying to be sensitive to me. What is going on, big boy? Mm -hmm. You don't know. Why don't you know? I think I don't want to do what I wanted to do. Come on here. Hold on just a minute. I don't want to cut it off. I don't Get it to stop. I get a mess with her. Just what we've been doing up there.